Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash improvnoise. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This is Improv Noise. And in order to get started, we need a suggestion of something you can't be. Sit down with Kevin Mullaney. Enjoy. If you're watching an improv scene or if you're in an improv scene, what is one or two things that you're like, man, that's got to be there? I guess uh, I would say, you know, that the, 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 they seem to be that they're just that they're paying attention to each other. I mean, it, it's remarkable <laughs> to me how uh, interesting it is just to watch somebody on stage trying to figure out how the other person feels and what, what they're doing. Yeah. You know, that's automatically interesting, or at least for a little while. Um, and, you know, sometimes people start improv scenes and they're, they, don't, they don't look at each other at all. <laughs> they don't really listen to each other. Right. So just that basic stuff uh, usually makes a big difference. It's just communication, would you call it? Yeah, and then sort of an honest or sincerity. Like, the, if it's not, sometimes it's, uh, it, it, like I saw a show a while ago, won't say which one, uh, but it was a fairly new group, and, and, uh, they were, and the first scene right out of the gate was what I'm now calling Improv Candyland, uh, or I'm sorry, Yes and Candyland, um, <laughs> where, where it's, you know, it starts out with like, oh my gosh, I like baseball. I like baseball too. And it's kind of like a way that a lot of people will teach new improvisers to improv because they don't want them arguing or whatever. And um, uh, it gets really trying. The other thing that really, I guess it comes down to more like stuff that bugs me, Um, but it's sort of the absence of that I really like, which is um, I really really like when people uh, just sort of lay out their circumstances simply rather than hinting at each other for a long time. A lot of people will do these, these kinds of starts to scenes and, and they'll, they'll sort of choose this middle ground where they'll be like, so uh, I guess uh, it's good to see you again because right. we kind of know each other. And it's like I would rather, <laughs> I'd rather you not hint at all what your circumstances are and right. just wait till you have a solid idea and then just say them rather right. than being coy, coy about it and, and trying to like be really new agey and we're going to figure it out together. It's like right. you still figure it out together. I mean, I can say we're brothers and there's still a ton of stuff to figure out. Right. Um, but a lot of times people will just be like, we're related. And you would much rather have people just be like, ha ha, the hated mailman, I've caught you in my... Cat, trap of cages, well, always, right? Yeah. <laughs> <I>, maybe. <laughs> or how about how about this? I think like uh, 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 um, do you, do you do you like the idea of a who, what, where being used as a tool when necessary? Not necessarily something to be done arbitrarily. Uh, like, I'm not sure what you a, mean. Sorry. It sounds like to me you don't you don't like seeing people do a who, what, where just because they think they have to. You think they just need to connect, and then a who, what, where will come. Yeah, one of the one of the things. I mean, the, the workshop I'll do tomorrow will be a lot about that. Will be about 
getting people to connect, see what the scene feels like. What does this feel like? If, if you, you're being really intense with me, you are being, uh, you're feel, you look really confident, and I just, you know, the way I'm sitting feels really insecure. So what does that, what does that feel like? And if we just sort of stay in that moment and talk about how we feel, kind of, um, we'll, an idea will come to us. And as soon as we know what the idea is, like, oh, my God, of course, you're my... You know, I'm your boss, and uh, I want to fire you, but you know I can't fire you because of, for whatever reason. So that explains why you're confident, and, I, and I'm insecure, and, and uh, uh, you know, so an explanation will come to us from it. But right. what people do instead is they'll sort of put little things out there, like, thanks for coming to the meeting and uh, and then we'll talk really vaguely for two minutes about the circumstances, and we'll never really nail it down. Right. So it sounds like to me, it's like a gut first, brain will come second. Brain yeah, will and I don't mind. Brain. I don't mind people coming out with the circumstances, and right. I, I, I prefer that to the vagary as well. So like people coming out and just saying, "Hey, thanks for coming in. Uh, I nearly got your taxes done. We just need a few more questions." And you know that that approach where it's like I'm just going to lay out the base reality and then we're going to figure it out. Yeah, um, I like that too. Mm. I, I just think that in between where we're being coy and we're not really saying right. what we think is going on, um, there's some there's this. Some people I think have a feeling like they want to they want to figure something out by like just hinting at things, and the other person yes ands it just a little bit, and then I yes and it just a, a little bit more, and eventually we come up, we figure out we're pirates, and it's just like. I'd rather just know it yeah, and, so then, nice. and then figure out what kind of pirates we're going to be. Right. It's right. so soft way to play, you know, just like, okay, are we okay to move a little bit forward, you know? And I, I like that idea that you can, like, check to see what's already there. That's kind of in, like the, the thought that it's like everything you need for the scene is already there. And it's right in front of you. And you can use nouns and descriptions to, like, better flush out that universe, but it's already there. You know, my feelings towards you is set. Another thing that I pick up on early when I'm watching people, I mean, it, they don't have to do this for me to like them, but when they do this, <laughs> when they do this, I go, oh, I, I like what you're doing. I like you. <laughs> because, and it's, it's, a, it's, I think it's a counterintuitive thing. It's where it's, where I really like it when people are just yesing at the beginning hmm. um, instead of feeling the pressure to invent. Mm. So, you know, if, if I say to you something like, you know, Carl, just grab a beer and have a seat, all right? We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. And, uh, you know, some people would feel like they have to, they have to yes and, they have to take the hints that I'm giving them and then be like, you know, establish that you're my brother-in-law and I slept with the, I, I, I slept with the, your ex-girlfriend or something, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. some Great. invention right away. And I think it's really nice when somebody just yeses you back, you know, you say, uh, you Coors know. Light, nice. Yeah, is that, is that yeah, just example. Like you, take the, <laughs> you take the beer, have a seat, and go. Yeah, I'm, I, I'd be happy to talk to you. Coors Light, no lazy boy. You're speaking my language, and that's it. Law. By the way, I slept with your ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> that could be alright, but I think merge them together. I'm not that kind of guy. But but I think people like they're 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 sort of drilled in yes anding, and so they they you know they they feel like every every line they have to introduce a new piece of circumstance. Right. What's the difference in your mind between inventing and discovering? 
how would you define the difference between those two? It's really hard to try and figure out what's the difference. It's one of those things you you know when you when you exactly. when, you, when you do it. Yeah. Um, but I have found that if I'm in a scene and I'm and I'm not focusing on trying to figure out my circumstance. Instead, I'm focusing on my scene partner okay. and how they're behaving um, and how this feels, the two of us together, uh, what this looks like probably to the audience. Uh, if I'm concentrating on those things, then circumstances will just come to me. Like my, my subconscious will suggest like, oh, well, maybe the two of you are waiting to kill someone who's going to come through the door. Sure. Or some, some circumstance will come to me. Right. And that circumstance is usually going to be much better than if I'm looking at my scene partner. I'm thinking, oh "God, what are we? Who are we? What's going on here? I got to right. figure this out." I need something. And if I'm if I'm consciously thinking, "I've got to figure this out," um, then it's not going to be as fun. Hmm. Yeah. So I I feel like it's a difference between like our conscious brain and our subconscious brain. The ideas that come from our subconscious are, are often much better worked out ideas than the ideas that where we're consciously trying to do the math of the scene and right. trying to logically figure out what's going on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just thick. Yeah, we're absorbing, we're absorbing, we're absorbing. Well, it, it's, I think it's a ca- kind of counterintuitive uh, to a lot of people, the way like they think it's different than, say, you know, the way that they teach things at ECB, for instance. So... So that it is this very heady experience, right? You got it, but that's what you do in rehearsal. I'm talking about what you right. do on stage. Right. Mm. Like you, it's fine to be over analytical and to and to think hard about what your what is the right next thing to say right. in rehearsal or in class. That's fine. Just like it's fine to think about how you swing a baseball bat uh, in in when you're working with your batting coach. But when you're playing a game, if if you're thinking about how you swing the bat, then you're you're gonna strike out, yeah. and that's the same thing on stage. If you're thinking, if you're logically thinking through, you know, trying to figure out consciously what's happening, then you know you're you're probably not gonna have a good scene. Perfect, perfect. We're seated here with Mr. Kevin Mullaney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Mr. Kevin Mullaney, uh, spent many years in Chicago doing improv, working at I.O. Uh, um, you were on um, Frank Booth, the uh, house team at I.O. For, for a long time. Yep. And then you made your way out to New York, where you both ran UCB Theater as artistic director, and you ran the school as well, your school director. Yep. Uh, a teacher, uh, you coached the legendary team here in the Swarm, legendary here in New York. And then uh, you've now made your way back to Chicago, where um, you run Under the Gun Theater. That's right. right. Uh, uh, co-founder and managing director, co-founder and artistic director of Under yeah, the Gun. Yeah, there's two of us, uh, Angie McMahon, uh, who I've been friends with for a long time, and uh, and I started a company about a year ago. Oh, very cool, very cool. Yeah, I see. Uh, I'm on the mailing list. <laughs> cool. Uh, is there anything, I sort of just pulled out of my butt. Is He's that okay? A, is there anything I'm missing? Other than, is that all of your improv in a sentence? That everything you've done ever? Pretty the time? much. It's your yeah, life. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Is that your life. Perfect. We've <laughs> <laughs> yeah. coached endless uh, teams and shows. Oh, you brought you introduced Cage Match to New York. Did you introduce Cage Match to Chicago too? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you introduced Cage Match to Chicago. You founded IO Torco, right back in the day. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those things where I didn't think we had a touring company at IO. <laughs> right. As far as I knew, there was no touring company at IO. So I right. went to Sharna and said, "Hey, we should have a touring company." And Here's how I propose we do it. And she goes, okay, that's great. I'll let you do it instead of the people who are doing it. <laughs> uh, 
So kind of, yeah. I founded something called the IO Tourco, which was right. a more official, or Roadshow it was called, the IO Roadshow, which was a more official touring company. But of course, I think it fell apart probably six months after I left or something, you know. And I don't know what they do now. I mean, they do do touring and stuff, but they don't have a standing company. That seems like that would be a blast. I love touring, improv, taking it on other audiences. I love it. Yeah, it can fun. be. <laughs> you're right, it can be. It depends but it can where. be awful, too. <laughs> yeah, depending who you're with, you know what I mean? Did, did you have anything to do with UCB Torco, or is that something else? No, they, I mean, I think even from the first year I was here, uh, Besser was trying to get together uh, a sketch-based touring company. Um, but that really, I don't think that really locked into place until like, I don't know, several years later. I mean, they tried to do some stuff, and and uh, but that just sort of came along more naturally, I think, when they had a much larger body of people to draw from, and they had the money to like hire somebody specifically to try and go out there and get gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when it really came together, you know. Nice, nice. Um, so, what would you say the difference is uh, between the New York, the improv you see in New York, and the improv you see now in Chicago? Is that the question you feel the most ever? I've heard. You I ask guess that so. so many yeah. Times. <laughs> You're probably the um, it's, it's a yeah. It's a hard question. Because um, it's an interesting question. Because I play with, I have a show in in Chicago called Mulaney Chain, mm-hmm. where it's like messing with a friend, and like a lot of other shows where you know I invite someone to play with me, and then they invite somebody else, and they invite somebody else, and oh, so on. Tight. So there's the way I do it is I have five people. Uh, uh, performing with me and it's awesome because there's you know I, had, I invite great people and they invite great people and and uh, I get to play with all these people I've never played with before and and nine times out of ten have a fairly decent show sometimes a really great show with people I never improvised with before and I don't really understand what they're doing um, <laughs> uh, and they don't really understand what I'm doing um, but I think what it is is it, it, it I do have this experience every once in a while with somebody who's spe- very specifically like a UCB uh, trained performer where I get on stage with them and just know, I have a, I just know what they're doing. I understand what they're doing and they understand the moves that I'm making. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I would imagine it's kind of like musicians knowing how each other play and, and it, what happens I think ironically, maybe from a Chicago standpoint, is that uh, it it becomes way more relaxing and like in a way slower paced, and we can mm. take pauses and we can take our time mm-hmm. and have a and have a really good show. There was I was in Omaha a few weeks ago and I did a show with Sean Conroy oh, yeah. and oh, I'm gonna I can't remember her name. I just I met her for the first time there. She's UCB LA. UCB LA woman who was uh, at uh, she was at Boom Chicago. She was in Chicago for a while. Susie Barrett. Yes, yes, Susie Barrett. Yeah, Dude, she was great. Nice. Yeah, Thank you. Um, <laughs> that that almost makes up the fact I couldn't remember her name. Um, and you were mouthing it to me. I just spoke it. Sure. You, you knew. We we set that up beforehand. So the three of us did a, an improv set, and I hadn't performed with. Sean for 10 years. Uh, I'd never performed with Susie. I'd never met her before. Um, and we had a great show. I mean, I don't know how they felt about it, but I, it was, <laughs> that was one of my best shows I've had in the last year or two. And um, uh, I'd never played with them before. I mean, you know, I'd play with Sean, but it was like years and years ago, the right, last time right. we were on stage together. 
And, uh, and I didn't even play with him that much back then. I did a couple of shows. There was like one or two shows I directed that he was also at. Um, anyway, so, but it felt so weirdly relaxing and so, um, it just could sort of, and it wasn't so much anticipating what they would do. It's just sort of trusting, like, oh, they're going to, if we t- if we take a couple, a few mo- a few lines to get to our next game move, it's okay, it's fine because we know what the plan is. If that makes any sense, we yeah. once the scene yeah. is going, we we know kind of where we want to get to, um, and now it's just a matter of of figuring out the the weird twists and turns of getting there. Do you, do you feel that more with uh, UCB performers versus performers from elsewhere? Usually, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I have a lot of fun performing with lots of different people in Chicago, but sometimes there is that definitely that um, I just don't quite understand. I don't quite know what they're doing <laughs> right, sometimes, right. and I know they they probably feel that way about me, um, where I I will do something and they can tell that there's I'm trying to do something, but they don't know what I'm trying to do, and so. It, it doesn't quite work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you still you have a lot of moments where it does work, where you know you, you you fall into games. There are types of games you fall into with any improviser. Yeah, and even if they've never talked about game of the scene a day in their life, they they know how to play this kind of game because right. they played that kind of game before. Right, like uh, he has an alien head and he doesn't know it. Sure, everybody knows the that classic game. game. No That's idea. <laughs> You've never played that one before? Uh, no, no, I played it a million times. Yeah. I know all the moves. <laughs> all the steps to that. I know all the steps. <laughs> I know that list. <laughs> uh, you, you took class at Annoyance, too. Did you go through the program in I Chicago? I did. I did when I went back. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't go through ago, right? it when, uh, when I first lived there. I'd, I'd gone through one program called Players Workshop, which was kind of like, it was like beginning Second City kind of training. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, were the old, they were the original improv uh, school. They were they existed before I.O. or Second City School um, or the Annoyance or any of those places. I went through that and then I started at I.O. and I got really busy there and I just never after I got done with Dell I was like I'm, I'm too busy to take classes. <laughs> right, right. And I didn't want to take classes at Second City and uh, hmm. So, yeah, so anyway, I, that was a mistake. And so when I went back, <laughs> it was. It, it would have been wonderful to work with Mick in the 90s, I'm sure, uh, and, and been involved at, at the Annoyance as well. Right, right. Um, How was your I, experience going back through it? It was good. It, I think it was a, it convinced me that if you're an improv teacher, you should take a class, at least one class every couple of years. You should get in somebody's class and mm. take it. It's a little bit of a weird experience, but you learn so much. It just reminds you so much of what the experience of a student is right. in a class. Yeah. And, you know, the thing I talk about with, with the annoyance was, I mean, they were, they were really good about this. They weren't bad about this, but, but I still, when I was in the class, I had the experience of sitting on my ass thinking, I want to get up and do something. Let's stop talking about the last scene and let's get to the next scene, and, I, and why can't I do this two times or three times? Why, do, why can I only do it once? And I'm totally in that mode of, like, right, I want right. to get the most out of this class yeah. and, and, um, and, and uh, really have, you know, work on something. And so, you know, if, if we don't... That just made a big impression on me, and I hope that in my classes I work people and I keep them up and, and they 
feel like they've done a lot when a, when a class is done. Yeah, I, talking from experience, that's exactly a feeling I got as a student that I was up in. And, and I know you've mentioned this before. It's sort of inspired. I do some coaching here and there. And I always hear from you, I'm just like, like coaches talk too much. They've got to do scene work. You know, let them do scenes. Yeah, That's let how them get their reps you know? And I, you're, I always have that in mind when I try to do coach beginner groups and stuff. I'm just like, stop. I even tell myself, I'm talking too much. I'm going to stop. This next scene, next stop, you know, yeah. just to make sure they're up and doing it. Because I've been in classes recently, one or two workshops here, where they almost felt like lectures a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, like, I did a, a few days, but I only did, like, three or four scenes. I'm just like, I listen to a lot. But, I mean, uh, it's, about, it's about muscle memory, isn't it? Isn't it about, it's just about doing it and feeling it and knowing sure, how it feels. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm also, like, a much bigger believer, I think, now in uh, trying to break things down into um, little, little pieces that you can actually practice. Hmm. And I get really excited when I hear, uh, you know, when I hear exercises from other sources that mm. do, you know, ex- work on very, very specific muscles. I feel like in the seven, eight years I've been gone, uh, like there's been a lot of, a lot of stuff I hear from teachers at UCB that, that are really these interesting exercises that have grown up in the, in those years, you know, Mm -hmm. things like, um, I mean, I love talking to Will Hines about, about improv and he, you know, blogs about what he calls sympathetic disagreement. Right, yeah, yeah. And and I've started using that in my classes and when I'm teaching people how to how to do game and I think it's just like a great technique anyway. It it forces you to actually listen to the other person because you have to tell them all the stuff you agree with before you tell them what is stupid about what they just said. <laughs> right, right. Um and and it's such a it's such a helpful way to kind of chisel away at, at what is going on in a scene to get to what the real essential strange thing is. Um, and it's one of those things that's like, well, of course, when, he, when I explained it, it's like, yeah, I've, I've done that before, kind of, but I've never worked on it. I've never, I've never decided we're going to have a day where we're going to, you know, uh, I'm going to accuse you of something, you're going to own it, uh, and it's going to be this weird thing, and then I have to... Uh, disagree with you but in the most sympathetic way I can uh, you know, <laughs> I think I've, I've done that the way you would with your dad or something you know say that again sorry. the way you would with your dad it's yeah. like it's, it's your, you know your dad or your boss is exhibiting this weird behavior and you have to you have to tell them that they're doing something wrong but you can't just come out and say you're weird you know <laughs> right, I'm, right. I'm out of here you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> It, also, it sounds like it also gets rid of the habit of just calling stuff out. You have to call stuff out through the lens of what your relationship is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, uh, that, that probably fleshes out and grounds it much more. Because yeah. who does that in real life, honestly? People that are dicks <laughs> <laughs> in real life. I'm just like, oh, really, is that a thing? This is a thing that's weird. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. In real life, we don't talk that way. Uh, it filters through how we communicate with others, you know. Um, I can imagine that can also work on that a little bit, too. Yeah, so I like I just love like working on very specific, taking a taking a a specific tool, a specific muscle, and saying we're going to really work on this until it becomes an automatic thing that you think of doing in the scene that where it's, that you didn't think of doing before. Yeah, like it's a, you're working on like a, a tool. You're giving them a, sure. one tool. Yeah. You, you you still I've heard you talk. You still you still evolve as an improviser now. Would you would you say or nay? 
So yeah, 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 I think yeah. so. I mean, I it was kind of a it's been a weird journey because there was a three or four year period where I didn't perform hardly at all. Right, right. So when I came back, um, you know, I took class of the annoyance. I took some acting classes. I took these physical theater and clown classes. And, oh, mm-hmm. groovy! And actually, I got the most. Uh, because those were completely new to me, I think I got the most out of that, and, the, and uh, so much of what I see, um, I don't necessarily know how to work on it with people yet. But so much of what I see in the other improvisers about what they need to work on has to do with how they embody their their form, you know, how they yeah. how they move on stage, and and you know things that bothered me a little bit when I was coaching 10 years ago now bother me a lot where some, if somebody <laughs> is sort of limply leaning against the wall on the back line or worse yet, they're just kind of like limply walking through their scene or wandering back and forth while they're talking. Uh, it just, it looks so distracting to me in a way that I don't think I had noticed before or right, consciously right. thought was bothered as much by. And it can make such a huge difference. Just the simple thing of people, two people having a, a, a sense of presence in their body while they're improvising instead of just sort of limply staying, standing on stage and, and kind of talking to each other. Yeah, as improvisers, we're performers. There's no two ways around that. But when, if you go to improv schools, you're really just learning the improv. You're not learning, there's parts of performance you don't learn from an improv school. You have to take that, that comes from somewhere else. I know a lot come from like, Maybe an acting background or something, and they pull from what they, from all the acting work they've done, the physical work, the mass work, Alexander, whatever it is, Feldenkrais, whatever kind of movement, dancers, the martial artists, all that kind of stuff. You, they probably subconsciously use that kind of training without even knowing it. But there is a certain generation or, or, or type of improvisers that only have taken improv classes. Sure. And that's definitely part of their performance that they could always improve on. Uh, is, is their oh, perfect. it's amazing too. Like the the masks. I did mask work in this one class, and mm-hmm. I was astonished by it I, I had always thought it was I mean in my 20s I had opportunities to do mask work and I thought this is stupid I'm not gonna <laughs> what was your mask? put masks on uh, or do that this is this, this is dumb <laughs> um, and when uh, when we did the mask work it was amazing to me how because uh, what it was I realized and I mean I think it's a lot of different things but it was kind of it was it was to use another baseball analogy, it was, it was practicing your your swing with a donut on the on your bat. Um, it was you put the mask on; it made it hard to see. Uh, certain masks you can't really talk in them, so you took away your words. It took away all your expressions, and then you had to get on stage and perform and act with someone. Right. When you can't, you can barely see them. Sometimes you can, can't hear them very well. They can't speak. You can't speak. You know what do you have left, and so it makes you way more aware. And then the other part of it, which was almost infuriating, was watching two people walk on stage with masks on, look at each other, look out at the audience, and it was hilarious, <laughs> like gut wrenchingly funny in ways. Sometimes mm. we would do simple things that were so funny, funnier than ninety nine percent of the improv I've seen in my life. Right, and, right. And I'm like. This is no fair. Why, yeah, is, <laughs> why is this so funny? And we worked so damn hard to make something mildly funny for an audience, but wearing a mask and looking at each other and then looking out is 
funnier than that. I don't get it. It's okay. It'll never be as funny as cat videos or sports bloopers. So they always. <laughs> well, have that's the thing. Like you, like <laughs> dogs and cats and stuff are natural clowns yeah. in the way that they behave. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my dog now, like just the way that she sits and watches me, then looks at my girlfriend, and then looks back at me, trying to figure out which one of us is going to feed her off the table. <laughs> right. And it, it's such a. Uh, it's so comical and interesting, and it's so simple. Um, mm. And it, that, a lot of that technical, it's a, and it's a technical thing that you're learning, yeah. and you don't learn that in an improv class usually. Um, and it's a shame, because I think it's pretty useful, this idea. Just the simple thing of, of uh, that I, I guess I was taught in an improv class, but I did, never took it seriously, of like keeping yourself open. The difference bes- between a scene where you can see the people's faces right. and the scene where you can't is amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll watch everyone, TJ and Dave come into town, or John and Scott do two prof here. Their eyes are married to each other. They're not, uh, uh, their eye contact and, and, and absorbing each other is through the roof. They're not looking yeah. elsewhere than each other unless they absolutely have to. Well, yeah, they're, they're so super well connected. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's maturity, that's experience, that's trust, you know, that you're going to like what you see. Um, to steal that from Men's Warehouse. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't know. I feel like that's, it's almost like if you have any fear, like you, you should be looking even harder, but like for some reason it just cuts off, you know? Like when I'm the most nervous, I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't, could not even tell you what my scene partner looked like. Like why right. is that? Wouldn't you think that if you're scared, you would be more observant? Like if you think you're getting mugged, you like really look at that person? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, people <laughs> people spend their scenes looking down on the ground, right? Just, uh, looking behind them, right? Um, uh, a lot to people that are back to the audience. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love doing. That. I once saw read a magazine while I was in front. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you got that magazine from. I always have it. But I think it's more than it's more than just making eye. I mean, making eye contact is really important and like seeing what's going on in your scene partner. Right. But there's this technical thing of what happens when when you're really focused on somebody and then something happens and instead of just keeping focused on them, something happens uh, uh, and instead of keeping your reaction with your scene partner, you turn out to the audience and let your scene, let your audience see it. It, yeah. it seems like that might be kind of cheesy or something, yeah. but it's so effective of, of, of a way of letting your audience understand what's happening yeah. between the two of you. And it's a, it's a little thing that you can do just to keep yourself open, uh, and uh, what a trick to it that I notice sometimes people come to accidentally, um, or maybe on purpose and for a different reason, <laughs> is uh, they uh, when they do scenes that are totally cheated out. Two guys, two people sitting in a car, two people standing next to a bar, like looking towards the the audience as if the audience is the bartender. So those kinds of scenes where you're together and you're aware of each other and you do see make eye contact and you're connected, but you're facing out the whole time. It's it's um, it's actually uh, helps an awful lot hmm. to bring the audience in because they can see everything that's happening right. to you. They can see all the reactions. It's kind of like the equivalent of like uh, Shakespeare's. Um, why am I blinking on the word? Where you like step out and like. Do a oh, little mean soliloquy. That, uh, word out. Aside. Yeah, there you go. From aside. aside. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so doing the aside without being corny about it. Or right, well, without be- actually addressing the audience. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, just letting them in a little bit. Like, oh, I'm honest. Yet I'm a robber. <laughs> ah, unfreeze. That wasn't Shakespeare's method up. But yeah. it was similar to it, I'm sure. 
<laughs> well, yeah, really I'm not that. quite saying that, but it is, it's the same principle. <laughs> yeah, I understand. There's, yeah. A, there's a real power in like addressing the audience directly. Yeah, and actually, yeah. it's something I've tried in some shows and really like is just just totally in the middle of a scene, we're doing a scene and then turning to the audience and talking to them about it. Really? Um, How's it, that worked out? Uh, I have fun doing it. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> I don't do it very often, but I, I have done it in some circumstances. And it's really fun to get someone's reaction to what you're doing right in the moment of like, <laughs> what do you think I should do? Kind of, <laughs> oh, seriously? So cool. Like choose your own adventure? Yeah, that's so cool. It's not so much that. It's like, it's, it's more like, you know, you're in a scene and there's some dilemma happening, you know, right. and... And uh, you know the, this, the, the the person is breaking up with you, right. uh, they, even though we're, you're both still in love. Right. And then going to the audience and talking to them, have you ever broken up with someone that you're still in love with? And then uh, finding out what they their story about it, yeah. and then bringing that back into the scene. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I originally thought you were like turning to the audience for moves, be like, anyone please? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I do that. Yeah. I go meta all the time. I do. Good God. <laughs> This is going great. What guys. is the game? Somebody <laughs> tell me what the game is. What do you, what do you guys want to see? Like, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want to see. Uh, That's cool that you kind of like get a little bit of audience, like a um, little bit of like a, I don't know, like fleshing it out with the audience's truthful stories. And like, Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be deathly to try and go to the audience because the audience is so scared of speaking up. Yeah. But um, when you can the stuff you get from audiences is so surprising and weird compared to the stuff in your own brain. Uh, and maybe that's just because it's from somebody else's brain. You right. Know? Yeah. Good point. Um, but you, there's always really weird, fun stuff that that uh, or usually weird, fun stuff you can get from the. And audience. it's like cool. You break the fourth wall like that. That's like it, it's seamless. It's like they're it not. It like, can shocked. be. I mean, it's it's you know, it's not something they do all the time. But there was a one. A cool there was somebody thing. I was working with in Chicago, and we started doing that occasionally. Or, or it was. We just pop out of a scene and start talking to the audience. I mean, what is form other than something someone tried and it's worked? You know what I mean? Yeah. I know for a while, uh, uh, swinging door was a thing. I don't. That's not a thing anymore. No one does swinging doors rarely in improv scenes. It's because we used it for a bit. It was great, and then we just stopped. It's like cool to just do something else. So that evolved. You know. Yeah. So move on. And that's been tried. I remember in three hundred one, the teacher mentioned that once. He's like, "That's maybe you can do it aside. I don't know. A move is all that's happened is a move is something someone did, and it worked. So people kept doing it." <laughs> You know, so maybe that could be something that happens more and more commonly. We don't know. Yeah. Well, I think it has to do with, you know, whatever the vibe of the show. I mean, if TJ right. and Dave broke their, in the middle of their show, broke the fourth wall and started talking to the audience as, you know, just as themselves, it would throw people off because they, they're so consciously not doing that. Yeah. But if you, do a, if you do a format that, that brings the audience in from the very beginning, um, then why not bring them back in later in the show rather than... than them deciding, okay, well, we had our conversation. Right. Now sit back and and watch the art that we're gonna we're gonna give you now. Um, <laughs> give you art. You're welcome. For our yeah, art. you're welcome. <laughs> now watch. That's how that's how you're I start every show. Yeah, you always say that at the end of the shows. It's like really inappropriate. Beginning. Yeah, we're Beginning. <laughs> you're welcome. We're here. That would be um, a great name for a show. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, Speaking of your welcome, is it time? Yeah, it's time. Is uh, it? Yeah, and we always like to ask, like, uh, how are you currently? You said you're doing a chain where it's like you invite one person, they invite mm-hmm. one person. When you get up st- on stage, are you guys like doing a form, or is it just like let's? No, it's just a montage. I've up. done more montages since I went back to Chicago than I than I, it's 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 strange. Like even with the people I coach, um, you know, I think it's weird for me because I spent so many years. Uh, coaching teams at IO and then coaching teams at 
ECB, and especially at ECB, there was, we really were working on Herald very, very consciously. And everybody there was a new thing for the people who were doing Herald. It wasn't like this old hat thing like, oh, yeah, I've done the Herald. Yeah. This was always you know, people who were really eager to figure this thing out. And now the people I'm working with in Chicago tend to be people, like they've already gone through I.O., right. maybe they've even been on a team there for a while. So by the time they come to me, it's like, oh, I don't want to do Herald anymore. <laughs> and so it's like, well, what do you do instead? And there aren't that many structured forms that are worth teaching. And you know what I mean? So you just end up saying, well, we're just going to concentrate on scenes. Yeah. And I'm or sure some you... way to inspire scenes and then we're going to do scenes. Yeah. Um, I'm into that. I mean, Holland Brothers is just scenes. Yeah, and I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not terrible, but yeah, it, but there's yeah. something nice about like we have this form right, that we're trying right. to Something achieve, to right. and that we all know what come. You know, it's like we're well after so many scenes, and this will happen. The problem with is is that a lot of times people want to do these like they want to just be free to do whatever, but their skill level isn't really quite there yet. So. They might get three or four scenes into a, a montage, and then they'll run out of ideas, and they'll be like panicked, like I don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the kind of moment that you don't ever really have in a Herald. You you always know. Well, I know what has to come next, so I'm just going to do that. Um, then they just ask the audience in that moment, "What do you want?" To do? <laughs> <laughs> well, that <laughs> might be an improvement. <laughs> like whenever you run out of stuff to do, you just go, "What do you want to see?" <laughs> baseball fans in here, like baseball fans. <laughs> uh, baseball scene time. <laughs> Take you to the Dugout. Wrigley Field bleachers. <laughs> bleachers. Here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were also uh, you developed the mono scene, right? You had a hand in it, kind of. I did, around. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So we, yeah, that started at least for me. I mean, I, it's not like the only people in the world who ever thought let's do right. one one long scene, but. Um, <laughs> But back in the day when I was in, in Chicago, there wasn't really anything like that. And there was a show I worked on called Naked, mm. where it was two improvisers doing one scene for an hour. So I was like the assistant director and the producer. And uh, this was back at a time when, I mean, I think people would hear that now and they would go like, oh, that sounds like an interesting challenge. But then it sounded like impossible. That still sounds intense. <laughs> yeah, really. Intense. Two people, one scene for an hour. Yeah, That's it's intense. it's Jeez. intense, but yeah. it, it it almost seemed like crazy. I think. Yeah. To us. Yeah. Like well, this is you know, this is nuts. Insane, yeah. <laughs> you know, people didn't do ten minute scenes back then. You know. All right. Um, let alone an hour long scene. Um, or if they did, it was a terrible ten minute scene. Yeah. They just weren't edited. And then the other thing it sort of came <laughs> from there was a show I did called uh, uh, Mobius American Theater. And the idea with that was it was an improvised play where we would improvise the ending first and then go back to the beginning and go all the way through the play. Oh, cool. And we were doing these chunks that were like 10, 15 minutes with plenty of entrances and exits. So they were like little mono scenes, but we didn't call them that. Right. Um, anyway, so then we jumped forward, and, and uh, I've been here for a few years, and I directed a couple shows that kind of used those chunky scenes with entrances and exits. And uh, we, uh, when we started working together with The Swarm, when I started working with The Swarm, they, a lot of them had been in those previous shows, and we just we talked about a few things, and one of them was this idea of, like, why don't we do a Herald, essentially, uh, but it's all one scene. Um, 
because so, and I think that's a really important to sort of talk about because like I don't know like people call now any long scene a mono scene right um, but really what we meant by it was this this thing where there would be a lot of of scenes within the larger scene created through entrances and exits right um, and that you would have games that return like a herald uh, and you you know that you viewed it in, in kind of a herald-like way rather than a, one big, long scene. But um, it's a one universe, one location? One location, no break. It, was, uh, it exists as like you would, it would exist if it was an, a one act of a play or right. one long scene in a play. Yeah, what comes to mind is like the farces where like you have the living room and like people come in and out with sure. their problems. And, and Chekhov plays is where it came from for me. I'd, before probably, I worked on the Mobius American Theater project... I had just done a checkoff class, and we had done the seagull, mm. um, and and I was thinking about how the, his plays are structured, where it's these, you know, the whole act is one location. It's like ten different scenes, but it's one location, one chunk of time, with people coming in and out. And I thought that was a really interesting way to um, approach an improv scene. So that's just, where it kind of came from. Yeah, either just coming from Moscow or going to Moscow. Actually. Yes, exactly. <laughs> being at the at the uh, farm, being inside the farmhouse, yeah. being in right in the orchard. You know. I I took a, a monastery workshop with Michael Delaney, and he explained to me uh, sort of uniquely in a way. And I'm wondering, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. He like we, if we were in a diner, if we were in a subway station, like we were allowed to be on the subway approaching the station as well. Or if we're in a diner, we were allowed to be upstairs at the diner as well. So you could is that Is that kind of the stuff you guys worked on? Because some school, in my head, when I think monocene, this originally is always like one location. Like if we did a monocene in a studio, the studio would be the stage and it wouldn't move. That's just how it would be. Um, but you mentioned maybe you can have a scene out in the hallway approaching the studio or something. I, I don't know. It was interesting how he mentioned it because I never really heard it explained that way. Well, I yeah, I think that's... Uh it depends on how expansive you want to get with that, because there was also this show that I think inspired it a bit was Close Quarters, right? Oh, right. And then awesome. in the version we did of it here was called Tracers, and mm. uh, and it was very consciously that where it wasn't so much in one location. It was like we have one location, and then the then we see the same chunk of time uh, in the location right next door, in the next right. room over, and then the the room above, and then the room down the hall. Um, I think. I guess what I, how I'd marry that is if it, it depends on if you have an edit or not. If you have an, an edit that breaks the time, then it's no longer, it doesn't feel like a mono scene to me. But if you have okay. characters where it's like there's two characters on the train platform and uh, at some point the train comes along and those characters get on the train then and then the train go and then, then now the mono scene is in the train, it would be, it's the same thing as having like those scenes in a movie where you have a really long, a 10-minute shot that's uh, one camera, like the, that scene in uh, True Detective where it was like the last 12 minutes of the show was all one shot, and mm. it was sprawling through multiple houses and across streets, and it was incredible. You didn't, I didn't even think of it when I, when I was watching it. Then later I was like, holy crap, that was one camera yeah, they shot. Did the scene, yeah. they, did a, they did a mono scene, yeah. They did this like, huge, sprawling mono scene with dozens of actors and cars and gunshots. and Or like uh, The Protector, starring Tony Jaa. 
Mm. He runs into the giant building of people eating illegal animals. He just runs up, but it was all filmed in one shot. And he beats the crap out of everyone. I'm, I'm surprised like, that that's is a really good mono scene. So that's, now that's a mono scene. So yeah. I said it out loud in my room. I'm surprised that show. isn't a form, actually. One shot. <laughs> uh, what, know, like, you, it's like the, a version of the movie, but you can only have one shot. It's a one-shot movie. It is now. It is now. It is now. It's, it's ours. No, yeah. Don't take next, it, okay, next guys? Next Douglas Marathon. <laughs> Copyright. That's right. Trademark that. Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> cool, cool. So, um... Is yeah, it time? Yeah, it's fucking rolling. <laughs> All right, I have my Suggestifier app here on my phone. Do we want to just take a word and go a little bit and just sure. play for a few minutes? Cool. cool. Uh, what's up? Uh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, I got a Suggestifier here at, on my phone. It just gives me random words. Uh, and the word I got here is kick. K-I-C-K. Kick. K-I-C-K. So uh, since, uh, since John's at soccer practice, we have the house to ourselves. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's all uh, all the all the kids are out. Bethany's at piano and Tyler's out with uh, his buddies. I don't know. I'm I'm I just I feel gross, you know? I feel like sweaty and I I need to take a shower and I Okay. Yeah. If you want to jump in the shower, I could I, no? no, I mean alone. If, I mean, I'm just saying I don't feel I don't feel sexy right now. And oh, you're, I, you're very sexy to me. This is this is you're very sexy right now. I I was gonna meet some people for dinner. Okay. So I wasn't even planning on being home tonight. Okay. Is it because of my my new haircut? Is this where it's coming from? No, you, no, it's not about you. It's I, not about you. I feel like the reception for it was lukewarm, and I think that's that's why this is. Happening. I just. If that's the way you want your hair to look, I do. <laughs> then that's how you should have it. I, it. It doesn't matter what I think. You shouldn't be cutting your hair to please me. Well, I just you know it's what the girls are doing now. You sh- shave one side of your head, and it's supposed to be cool. It's it's, it's a little sexy. harsh. That's what it just is harsh. Harsh. You know, I think if I met you, I would be afraid of you a little bit. I would be nervous. I'd be intimidated. Definitely be intimidated. Okay. And I don't like to be intimidated in the bedroom. Well, you're, 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 you're still my big man. You're still. I'm going to go out to dinner with okay. some friends. All right, well, that's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll just. Your man was... Whoa! Ah! Whoa! Ah! Oh! Wait, who are you? <laughs> Sorry, you scared me. Uh, I'm the mailman who's delivering a package. Oh, hey, Chet. How are you? Uh, we oh, know you your name. You don't have to call yourself the mailman. I'm Chet the mailman. All right. How you doing, Chet? Huh? How you doing, Chet? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, just want to deliver a package. Just want to say you scared me, and I'm a pretty fearless person. I'm an Iraq war veteran. Yeah, so. you were in Iraq. That's true, yeah. So, um, and this, me and my husband. Your service dog, your service dog isn't with you today. Nope, he is being walked by the walker at the moment. Oh. So we're just trying it on my own. Oh, that's dog. brave. Yeah. It's very brave of you. To just, be out on your own. I yeah. know that that dog helped you a lot. Yeah. Readjusting yeah. and the blindness he needs a break. and everything. Yeah. He needs a break. He, uh, he was doing too much of the work. I thought, I'm a mailman, I'll do it. Well, it was not as brave as going to Iraq. I went to Iraq well, 10 years ago. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I fought, fought for this country. Yeah, I'm so sorry that uh, that shrapnel took out your vision. I, I, you know, I wish, 
I wish that didn't have to happen, you know? Yeah, sorry. I just, I got to stop being scared every time I deliver a package. I know there's people. I know they're there. I have to stop being afraid of their presence every time. Well, you guys have a great day. I'm going to move on to the next house and deliver a package to them. Hold on. Grab my stick. That's our bathroom. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was wondering why it smelled like uh, uh, potpourri and not outdoors. Oh, do you like the potpourri? It's brand new. Yeah. Uh, I uh, think I'm going to... Our front door is this way. Here we go. Uh, that's the mudroom. <laughs> the mudroom? Yeah, you're in the mudroom now. Ah, so I was wondering why it smelled like coffee. <laughs> it's covered in coffee. Uh, I'm going to... I'm sorry. Is no. there a way you can just, like, grab my two shoulders and point me in the direction of where the door is? Sure. Do you want to do that, or... Uh, you're I, just, got, I got uh, it. I was just, in Iraq, take my hand. just take my hand. Okay, well... I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll lead you out. Before you leave, I mean, uh, do, do I sound sexy to you, Chad? Do I sound sexy? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, sure. Why not? So I'm like sexually attractive. You this is above and beyond my duty as a mailman. I guess I so. Feel, we... I feel uncomfortable answering the question, okay. but I'm, I'm your friend. I'm Chet. And do I smell sexy? You <sighs> smell. And if that potpourri is you, then voila. No, that's not, not the potpourri. Oh, no, well, I'm then. the 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 person who smells like a salami. <laughs> Ooh, that's the salami. I've had pepperoni pizza smell, so. with Fritos for feet. That's what I smell. Oh, like. you don't smell. Well, no, no, no. A salami. You know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home, make myself a salami sandwich. You inspired that. Thank you. We cut to Chet's house. Oh God. Hey Timothy. Where are you, Timothy? Yeah, Timothy. Oh my god, I'm in someone's house. Someone's house again. Oh shit. Uh, oh my god, huh? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just I do this sometimes. I'm in strangers' house. Give me a quick second. Uh, can you point me into the door? Sir, you are in my kitchen. Is this is this Cynthia Estates? Is this the yes. subdivision we're in? This is the Cynthia Estates. I think I went a floor too high again. I think I'm your neighbor downstairs. I apologize. Is this him? Uh, uh, no, uh, honey, he's just a, a man that wandered in here. Oh, I'm supposed to believe that. A man wandered into the house. He, want, he wandered in and made, started making himself a sandwich. Oh, honey. yeah. You told me you were done. You I told am, me. I am done. I am not needed. I'm going to grab he this. He smells thing. like him. He smells like you smelled those nights you came home so late. I, I told you, no one smells like salami, honey. I just met someone who smelled like salami. But I've got to get out. I'm out of your business. I apologize. I'm going to head what? right downstairs. I'm what did you say? I'm your neighbor. I'm your neighbor. My name is Chet. I'm, I live downstairs. I'm an Iraq War veteran of Purple Heart. Um, I'm gonna, oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a Purple Heart. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you. you, by the way. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, I'm just going to sneak outside, go right back downstairs. That's our kid's room, Chet. Sorry. I thought this was outdoor concrete steps. I thought I could smell the summer air, but I guess I was in the children's room. We keep our windows open. Can one of you guide me out the front door? I thought your dog was my service dog. I've been lost all day. <laughs> yeah, I've been lost all day. Why did you go day. out with your, your service dog? Yeah, it's common sense. Yeah, I, well, I was trying. I was being brave today. I was pulling my old Iraq bravery out again. Wow. I was trying to do it. But uh, I failed. I totally failed. I just It's on me. I failed. I just want to say I'm sorry about what's happening between you two. Oh, you guys well. have been really nice neighbors. Yeah, you might as well take your sandwich with you. You went to the trouble of making it. Yeah, can I? I hope it's okay. I'll give you a few bucks for the salami I took. I apologize. That's fine. All right, well, I'm going to leave. Why do you keep salami in the house? Oh, I, I'm a fan of salami. I think it reminds you of somebody. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, at least, you know, someone's a spicy meat. I don't know, I'm just pissed. So, are we not going to go to Red Lobster now? Yeah, so uh, what, uh, what's, the, uh, what's the special today? What, what do we want? We got your hair. I'm, I'm your, got, got a, oh, you know what? Let me do your head. Let me do your head. Let uh, me do it. Do we do my what? I want to, I got a great new hairstyle. It's you. I oh. got it. Let me do it. Everyone's doing it. I'll do it. I'll well, do Jacob, it. I'm looking for something that's a little bit, I don't know. I'm so tired of my old haircut. Oh, yeah, your old haircut was a little tired, uh, to be honest with you. Tell me about it. Take so, off the... So what are the people doing now? Oh, they're shaving half of their head. <laughs> it's a doing the old extreme. shave. Well, you know, Rihanna. Uh, okay, uh, that's enough. Wrecking Ball Girl, Siley Myers. Yeah, Wrecking Ball. That's only yeah, convincing. Miley I'm Cyrus. Yeah. And I saw a picture just the other day... Oh, yeah, Judith? ...from the last installment of... Um, what was that movie with the, the kids who kill each other? No, they're children all, of the, the hunger, the hunger Olympics, the food, the food Olympics, so the that's food Olympics, the Hunger Games. No. Hunger. That's what it was. It was the Hunger Games. Oh, the Hunger Games, right? That's right. So I saw a picture, and there's a woman in there, and she's shaved her head oh. off to the, the side like that. Interesting. That reminds me. I was also watching uh, retro '80s music videos this yeah. morning. And about half of them had a woman with a half a shaved head, and I think retro's coming back. Okay, I guess it's just a big move for me. I hope my husband likes it. To be honest, he's been very smelly recently. Well, you know, what I, what I realized after many, many years with my husband yeah. is that you know what? He probably smelled like that from day one. Oh. And if you're smelling things that uh, that you're just now realizing he smells like salami, it's because you don't love him as much as you used to. <gasps> okay. Uh, that's yeah. a lot of information to take. It's, it's probably true. Uh, well, you're right. I have been watching a lot of Ryan Gosling movies recently. <sighs> no man can... No man can measure up to Ryan Gosling. Except I for think. Ryan Gosling. Well, sure. So I, you should Ding probably... dong. Is this Ryan Gosling's house? Uh, yes. You're Ryan Gosling? Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to tell you I, I, I love you. Thanks. Yeah. <sighs> Dang it. Ugh, got another one today. God, they're knocking my door all day. Oh. Jesus Christ. How many more of these damn movies do I got to do? Everyone's walking up to me saying they love me. I know, I'm Ryan Gosling, for fuck's sake. I think you're. Pro- I think the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> you got it right, Roscoe. You got it right. God, yeah. you are my favorite if security guard. If there's anybody guard. who loves the attention, <laughs> it's you. It's I know me. you play it off. Hell, <laughs> not to your credit. You don't. You don't. Uh, you don't use it to your advantage the way some men would. You know. No. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've seen you, Roscoe. Uh, that's right. Dude. I get more tail being your bodyguard <laughs> yeah. than you could possibly believe. Oh, I, I could believe a pretty high number. Oh uh, yeah. Do you have tail today? Do I have tail today? Yeah, did you get some tail earlier. I don't. I don't use that word that <laughs> you just thoroughly. Said that. I mean, yeah, because it was the appropriate word in that sentence. But I got, I like, I got are you saying that? Do I have a date later with a young woman? Yeah, skirt. I, you got skirt. Coming yeah, up, I'm gonna. Got some. Uh, I'm gonna some, have. Uh, I'm gonna trim. A meeting of a female friend. Yeah, get that trim. Uh, okay, she's not. Right, Gosling style. What? Ryan Gosling style. Get that trim. Uh, 
God, I got some. I got tail this morning. I had tail last night, and then I'm thinking some fresh tail on All Sunday. Right. All right, I'm I don't about? get as much tail as you. All right, I yeah, I'm still proud of you. You got a date? What's the What's the girl? What's the girl? Her name is Clarice. Ooh, freaky. What, why is that a freaky name? Well, we watched Science of the Lambs yesterday. Remember? Well, Clarice. Sure. Remember Anthony Hopkins, one of my greatest inspirations. He's like he's, Clarice was all freaky. That'd be fun. I don't think she has anything to do with the character from from that movie, though. Maybe she does. Maybe she don't. You don't know skirt until you don't know shit. She is a, she's, a, she's, a, she's a human being, all right? Can we use that terminology? She is, at the very least, just call her a woman. Sorry. A skirt. I'm sorry, Roscoe. <sighs> Ryan Gosling was putting on a face. I was just... It's gotten to your head, man. I know, yeah, man. Yeah. It didn't used to be this way. I used to... The ladies don't love you because you're a jerk. They They project on you these... Amazing, sensitive uh, qualities. Uh, they, they, you're the. Kind you can't lose that. You know, if you if you start talking like this in public, your popularity is going to evaporate. Roscoe, I'm a virgin. What? I'm a virgin. I've never have been with a woman a day in my life. I, I trust you with this information, Roscoe. Don't go to TMZ or tell people. I, I'm Ryan Gosling. I'm just a big old virgin. I've got serious intimacy issues. And, uh, I, want, I want you to take that back. What? Take that back. I'm sorry. I'm, I've been listening to this conversation the whole time. I, I'm just going to get my big I'm going to say I want to do that here. I, I thought this was, is this Cynthia States? No. Oh, yeah, the wrong. Check out of here. <laughs> this I want to do that connection. Sorry, that was yeah. really bad etiquette of me. <laughs> Walking on my own scenes. No, that's okay. That's fine. Cool. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, that was uh, fun. I appreciate it. That, that, was, that, was, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, lo- I like how your character, your Roscoe character, had such, like, uh, oh, God, uh, I want to not say, uh, what the fuck am I thinking? Not, like, Mm, I don't know. It's like very genuine. Is what I'm looking for. It's like a genuine person, you know. Yeah, emotional honesty, very. There you go. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to anything I just did. <laughs> <laughs> so you just need one person to be seen being emotionally honest. The other person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you got emotionally honest about being a virgin as Ryan Gosling, that was that was great. Mm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I fucked it up by making it sexy between you two. Using the Universal Sexy song. No, I was about to re- uh, reveal that uh, I, w- I was wearing a wire and I wanted you to take <laughs> it back because it was going to ruin you. Right, right. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah the TMZ. Sorry we cut to. Yeah, I don't, we, know, we just go with the flow. I don't know. We don't really have any time set of thing. So that would have been a lot better than what I just did. I'm <laughs> just like, and I did my own walk on and see. <laughs> Fun was funny, you guys. Uh, I, I ran to that. Don't worry about it. I got it. Uh, you know. So uh, looking back and just like not even like like a coach or whatever, just like reflecting on it and just kind of like breaking down the scene a little bit. How did it like? How did it? Uh, how would you like describe it? How would you like go through it a little bit? Well, the 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 first scene, the first part of it where we were the couple, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like it's. It, I think I found found uh, I was. Spending a fair amount of time trying to figure out what, um, like trying to, like, is it just going to be the, is it, I think what I, I was second guessing myself very early on in that scene about whether or not I should be into 
sexy time. Right. At the beginning. Yeah. You know, there was, but there was something where I was trying to go with how I was feeling about it, and it was sort of like, you, you know, <laughs> I was looking at you, and you were like, this character was totally into it, like, <laughs> so into, like, and there was, and it felt a little, like, um, to me, it felt like he was trying too hard, and yeah. so that's what I was, I, I went with that. Yeah. Um, but I was sort of thinking, like, oh, what, should I have just been totally into it as well? Huh? Well, we and just I, met. I don't so. know. <laughs> yeah, that was, I also saw. It's, it's hard not to second guess that shit, but you really—I like—you really breathe them in and really absorbed exactly how you're feeling from him. It was great. I saw that in your work uh, when you were responding. You gave yourself an extra second to really respond with how you felt about what he was giving you. You know, where I don't do that at all enough. Like I'm just too still in my head and things like that. I thought it was great. I thought it really, really. I thought that first scene was really nice and fleshed out. Um, yeah, it was just, I just thought that was great. Cool. And then I fucked up with my walk. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, what, what happened after with that? The was mailman. Running, was the mailman. Shut the mailman. Yeah. And then you guys. So that was a different house. You guys are being different characters, right? The second house. Yeah. yeah. You went into a different house. I thought. Yeah. yeah I, I like that. I like that move where we discovered. Because I, I was trying to figure out like what is. There's got to be something. Somebody else in here besides the dog. Yeah. Right. Right. And I was on the verge of being somebody like who had broken into your house. Right. To threaten you or something. Um, when you, I liked your move better. Better though that he had gone to a a random house because we all know that blind people probably go into the wrong house all the time. They're wacky guys. They're so they're they're clowns. You know what I mean? They're ridiculous. Classic. If that if that's true, then what else? Yeah. In in hindsight, I wanted it to be so another blind man stumbles into the house and another blind man stumbles. Oh, you mean in your house? Yeah. It's just like a, a meeting spot, I guess, where they all end up. Um, but yeah, so we were in like kind of a, a tumultuous relationship at that point. Maybe you you didn't actually accuse me of cheating, but you had the tone like you did. sure. No, that's where I was going with it. Is that this was I caught you now with the man. I yeah. think that's where I that's uh, the great. menacing idea got thrown in, thrown into that. Where it's like, oh, this is this man is coming to the house. Why is there a man in this house? Yeah, that was great. I love that walk on so much. Uh, is this him? Yeah, is this him? That was, but you know right away what's going on, and it's like whoa, and it's also a totally different dynamic between you two. Yeah, there's something up with you guys. You know, it yeah. immediately turned you into really, immediately fleshed out your characters right away. With yeah, it's like a really strong emotional point of view. Yeah, and I'm just like I shouldn't be here. Mailman is <laughs> in the wrong place, <laughs> wrong time. <laughs> um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to have a checkoff gun. I wanted to like introduce a gun in the very beginning, so that you'd use it later. But I didn't get an opportunity for that. I was like, ah, that's too artificial, you know, to be like, all right, honey, well, here's my gun I put over the mantelpiece. <laughs> now it's loaded, mind you. So I don't know. It's a musket. Yeah, I didn't know how to put that Single in. Single shot musket. Right. With enough ammunition for a suicide or a murder. But not both. <laughs> that's right. There were no suicide murders in. In, uh, Check us in re- revolutionary uh, America, I bet. There yeah. was never a su- uh, murder suicide. It's too difficult. Yeah, and if it's, it's way too, too difficult. Too, you, yeah. you needed two muskets, yeah. and people would see you coming a mile away. Like, your husband's coming home with two muskets in hand. Like, you get, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, murder suicide. When it comes to that, will you do us both? Oh, man, I can't Quite do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I also hammered in a couple of quick games. Uh, I, th- I think we, we had some fun games we held on to. Um... What would what would be sort of your last like overlying maybe notes or so for that scene or or, or things different directions that you like to have seen it gone or or any sort of thoughts you had about it in addition to what we already discussed. 
<laughs> so I talk lower and longer for a while. I'm like, yeah, come on in. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay, for that one, uh, Kevin laughed a while ago. He was offended. He's not here anymore. Uh, he's pretending he's still here. Uh, he laughed. He was so happy. He's like, I've never done shit like that before. But he left. So, uh, peace out. <laughs> now, I don't know. It's weird talking about afterwards. Like, they, I've only, this is only the second, like, I did Improv Nerd. Yeah. And same thing. We talked about that scene afterwards. Uh, and that one was like one long scene we performed in front of an audience, and then, and then talked about it right afterwards. And it was strange talking to about it because there were a lot of things that I liked about what Jimmy did in that scene. Right. That was that he described afterwards as like that was him in panic mode, not <laughs> knowing what to say. Like he was taking his time in these moments when I in, a, in moments that I really appreciated that he took his time in those moments. And his explanation was, I'm ter- I was terrified. <laughs> he always I says that. No though. idea what I was doing in that moment. Yeah, that's that's always the key. If you're like panicking, just like have a serene look on your face. As if it is a thoughtful pause. <laughs> sure. Well, what I liked about too that scene, uh, and I feel like I was the Jimmy in this. Oh no, you were great. Yeah, you mean good in the scene. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I liked how he tried. That scene was about your son, and you went to his house, and he was your father, but or stepfather, right? But he didn't want you there. I think it was something along those lines. Like, yes. You were not welcome at home. Right. And you were not supposed to come back to Christmas anymore, or something along right. those lines. And I liked it because he's like, I'm going to pretend. I'm going to play game in the scene in the scene, which is so difficult to do if that's just not how you play. And then he did what I thought was a clear game between both of you guys. And afterwards, he described it as his motivation. He was just playing his motivation, which is interesting. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the thing is with the game is is uh, what I. It's not as. Uh, it's not as easy to condense down to like one set of, one simple explanation of like here are these three sentences explain what a game is. Totally. Uh, because uh, there's certainly scenes where um, you have two people behaving in ways that aren't really that weird, but that are interesting and funny and consistent, and uh, and that's it. That you know, it's 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 uh, it's fun. You know, the the it's interesting reading the book or, or looking at the UCB book uh, because what how they've written it. You know, they they write the they have these examples in it. That are very absurd, and I think people could probably read that book and think, "Oh, like our games have to be like very a very absurd thing in a very uh, grounded reality." Um, and of course, that is part of what it is. That's a very good way to do it, or a good way to do it. But I think the reason why this is my, just my guess, the reason why the examples in the book are like that are because those are really easy to see in written form. If they had done a really subtle game. Uh, if they'd written a, a, a sketch where the game was just taking reality and tweaking it 10%, uh, it's, it's much harder to sort of talk about what exactly it is that's funny about it, um, even though you might know, you know. And it, yeah, in that scene, the scene I did with Jimmy in that, in that podcast, it was uh, very much just a we set up a consistent kind of behavior with one another and we just kept hitting that in different ways. So, yeah, it, it was a type of game, but it was maybe not a... It didn't have an, a, an absurdity to it that, that you might expect from a game. 
Perfect, perfect. Um, hey, uh, on that note, we're, um, Brad and me are gonna go, uh, actually we have like a Blu-ray copy of The Hunger Games uh, at home. I was wondering, did you wanna uh, maybe come by and check out The Hunger Games with us later today? I'm making my special recipe, it's a curry roast, it's like a curry ketchup with worst. Yeah, it's until really my favorite. good. Yeah, yeah, it's sweet. It's just, it's just a chill time, it'll be like That's relaxed, so much left over. no pressure, just like, you know. Do you want to maybe come over and uh, get some worse with Brad and me? I, I was just going to ride a bus around Central Park for a while, so... Oh, could we come with? Okay. No, it's something I do by myself. I understand. I do that too sometimes. All right. <laughs> That's been Improv Noise. Yay! Yeah. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, I hope you have a great day. Just keep making shit up. Uh, this is a special thanks to my co-host, Brad Kula. Yep. Uh, special thanks, more importantly, to our super special guest, Mr. Kevin Mullaney. I've been Stefan Schutte, sound time. engineer, Ryan Hanley. Fuck yeah, dude. And keep then rock and rolling. Keep rock, keep making it up. Yep. Peace out. Yes. Boom.
get satanic I play a manic mechanic This scene is fucking magic The laughter is gigantic The audience loves my antics Which is why I'm such an addict That show was fucking classic I'm all aglow Time for 20 minutes of notes For a 30 minute show Crack me a PBR Or a cold daddy bow That girl in the audience Where the fuck did she go? If only there were scouts I know I'm gonna make it My parents say I'm dreaming www.improvnoids.com is our wonderful website. Also, we got Facebook, we got Twitter, we got Tumblr. But please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends.